Let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church family, for the gift that you have given us of having others, brothers and sisters, to celebrate with. We thank you for babies. We thank you for people surrounding us as we go through difficult times. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather together and study your word together. Holy Spirit, be at work in us, helping us to see you better. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. When I was little, my dad had an annual ritual that he did with each one of us four kids. He would take us out into the backyard, and he would have us look at the telephone pole in the corner of the yard, and he would say, look up at the very top. Can you see those words on the yellow sign? If we could see the words, we were done. If we couldn't see the words, it was up to the optometrist for us. <laughs> I got my first glasses in third grade. And after that, I wasn't done with the annual ritual. Dad took me out in my glasses and had me look up. It was a great way to check my prescription. <laughs> I think there was some parent guilt behind that annual ritual because when my older sister got her first glasses, she looked up at trees and was surprised that she could see leaves. She didn't know that was a thing. She thought you only saw leaves when they fell to the ground. And my parents weren't going to have that ever happen again. Hence the annual telephone pole eye exam. <laughs> when you can't see, sometimes you can't see that you can't see. When you know that sometimes you can't see, Sometimes that helps you to be aware that maybe you're not seeing clearly. In our study of the Gospel of John, we have been looking at a man who was born blind, who was healed by Jesus. Jesus put mud on his eyes and told him to go and wash the mud off. Imagine what that would have been like for him to be scrubbing mud off your face and to suddenly see your fingers for the first time and then to, to look beyond the fingers and see the world, to, to look up and see the sun and it be so bright that you stop looking, to see your family for the first time. And then imagine him seeing the Pharisees he had heard angry voices before, but he had never seen angry faces. And they kept getting angrier and angrier until they excommunicated him. And then imagine him seeing people not looking at him anymore, adverting their eyes from him. That's where we pick up the story today. In John chapter 9, starting with verse 35. You can read along on your apps or in your Bibles or on the screens. Jesus had been absent 
after he put the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus heard that they, the Pharisees, had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This formerly blind man had been healed with Jesus not even present. And when he is thrown out, Jesus found him. That means Jesus went looking for him. That means Jesus took the initiative with him. And Jesus continued to take initiative with him. He revealed more of himself to him. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man who had been healed knew what Jesus meant. All Jews knew that Son of Man means Messiah. It's a term that was used in Daniel when Daniel had a vision. He said, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. The man who was healed was quite willing to believe that the Messiah had come now. And he knew that because one of the signs of the Messiah was that the blind would receive their sight, and he had just done that. He had had that experience, but he didn't know who the Messiah was, but he trusted that Jesus knew. The Holy Spirit had been revealing to him more and more about Jesus, so he came to this point. If you trace back over the entire chapter, you can see him grow in how clearly he is seeing Jesus. First, he just knows his name. He calls him the man they call Jesus. Later, he says he is a prophet. And even later, he says he is a godly person. And finally, he's able to say he is from God. Bit by bit, he is seeing more and more about Jesus. And so here, as Jesus is standing before him, this ordinary human, somehow this man who was healed is able to look at this human fellow and see Jesus, Son of Man, in all his glory. Jesus gave him spiritual sight. Not just physical sight, but spiritual sight. And at that moment, the man believed and worshipped. Worship is always the right response to seeing Jesus clearly. We saw that in Daniel, the nations worshipping the Son of Man. We see that in Revelation, 
the nations worshiping the Son of Man. And here we see it with this man worshiping the Son of Man. When we see Jesus clearly, we worship. That would have been a great place to end the chapter, wouldn't it? But Jesus goes on and says something cryptic. It starts in verse 39. He said, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Some Pharisees who were with him. Jesus didn't have to go find the Pharisees. They were already there. They were still there, dogging his steps, watching his every move, wanting to try to catch him out, doing something atrocious. I find it fascinating that they didn't respond when Jesus revealed himself as the Son of Man. Maybe it just felt too absurd that an ordinary person was the transcendent Son of God, the Son of Man of Daniel's vision. I find it fascinating that they didn't respond when the blind man worshipped Jesus. But they did respond when Jesus said, some who see will become blind. How, how do you imagine their, their voice, their tone of voice? Are they sarcastic? What? Are they offended? What? Are they confused? Wait, what? I think they may be all of those things, but surprised as well, shocked even. They had no image of being blind. They didn't see themselves that way. They saw themselves as the good guys. And that's how their community saw them. They were the ones who studied scripture. They were the ones who knew scripture. They were the ones who wanted to live holy lives to please God. And they wanted others to do that too. They weren't all priests, a lot of them were ordinary, middle-class Jews. And they took the things of God seriously. They saw God's holiness, and they wanted to lead lives that were holy. They wanted God's holiness to be honored, to be glorified. They took it seriously. They saw themselves as the promoters and defenders of the faith. Paul was a Pharisee. He describes what Jews, and including Pharisees, thought of themselves in Romans. Here's how he describes the Jews think of themselves. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Look at that, a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in darkness. 
That is the historic call, the historic task that God gave the, his people in the Old Testament. Jerusalem, Zion, was to be a city on a hill whose light shone to show the nations who the one true God was so that the nations would worship him. And that's what the Pharisees thought they were doing. They couldn't see that they couldn't see. Jesus called them blind. Well, well, why? Over the years, they had been so enthusiastic about holiness that they started creating traditions, habits, routines, rituals to help people live holy lives. And they started taking those traditions as seriously as scripture. And then over time, even more seriously than scripture. They outdid scripture. They, holiness trumped everything. And they were so focused on holiness, on getting it right, that they missed all of the rest of who God is. His grace his compassion, his justice, his mercy. They were so focused on following the rules that they lost sight of the relationship. And when they lost sight of that relationship, that then changed their relationship with their neighbor because love of God and love of neighbor are completely connected. So, they started viewing their neighbor as a project and themselves as the morality police. And the crazy thing is, they thought they were seeing clearly. They were the ones who saw everything, who were focusing on the right things. The crazy thing is, they couldn't see that they couldn't see. The crazy thing is, this had happened to the people of God in the past. In the Old Testament, you can trace a thread, especially through the prophets of God calling his own people blind. When they chase after idols, he calls them blind. When they focus on security or prosperity over him, he calls them blind. When they do not promote justice, when they impede justice, he calls them blind. The Old Testament prophets are full of verses like this. Who is blind like the one in covenant with me? That is, who is blind like my own people? Or Israel's watchdogs, that is, their leaders, are blind. The Pharisees knew all those passages. They knew their scripture. But they would have been flabbergasted that Jesus was using them about them. They couldn't see that they couldn't see. And... They couldn't see that how they had responded to that healing revealed their own blindness. Think about that. 
they first tried to understand the miracle, and then they started to evaluate the miracle, and then they decided they didn't approve of the miracle, and from that they decided they didn't approve of the, the one who had done the miracle, and beyond that they then decided to cast out the one who had been healed. You can, you can trace that progression through the passage, uh, through, the, through the whole chapter. First, there is a division between them. Some people believe that Jesus is from God, some that he is not from God. And they take another step and say about Jesus, he is a sinner. And then as the chapter progresses, they take another step and say, we don't even know where he comes from. That is, he is illegitimate. And then they take one more step and turn all their anger towards the man and say, you were steeped in sin at birth. They're right back where the chapter started. Who is it who sinned, this man or his parents, that they were born blind? This man wasn't a person. This man was a, a problem. And they continued to label him with the same label that they had always used of him. There was a miracle, and they missed the miracle. There should have been joy in that healing, but they missed the joy. While there should have been celebration for this man who had been born blind but now could see, Instead, they got angry. They were closing their eyes to Jesus. As the blind man's eyes get open further and further to who Jesus is, they were closing their eyes more, tighter and tighter. All of their traditions, all of their assumptions about who God should be, how God should act, bled over to traditions and assumptions about people, who people should be, who people sh how people should act. And they couldn't see Jesus. They couldn't see that they couldn't see. Well, we could end there and say those terrible Pharisees. But we could go a different direction instead. We could say, could it be that there is something that we can't see? When you can't see that you can't see, sometimes you can't see that. When you know you might not be able to see clearly, you're more aware of that. So what about us? How do you see Jesus? First of all, have you, have you ever seen him? Have you ever seen him as your Lord? Have you ever believed and worshipped? It doesn't take much. The Holy Spirit will grow your understanding of him. You don't have to analyze and dissect everything and be completely clear about who Jesus is, you can say, 
I see a little bit of the love in Jesus' eyes. And you can believe. And the Holy Spirit will take it from there. It's all you need to do is whisper, I believe. And you will be seeing Jesus. If you do that right now, come up and talk to the prayer partners afterwards. If you have seen Jesus at some point in your life, if you have, have accepted him as your Lord, if you have believed and worshipped, then, then my question for you is, is, how are you seeing him now? How's your vision? Is it absolutely clear? Or is it getting a little bit blurry? Can you see if you see clearly? Well, one of the ways that you can see that is by thinking about how you see others. When we see Jesus clearly and worship Jesus, when our focus is on Jesus, that connection between love of God and love of neighbor stays tight. When our focus on Jesus gets a little blurry because we're looking at anything else, then that connection starts to diminish. So, so how, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as uh, one of the good guys? Is it your job to straighten everybody out? How's that going for you? Or do you see yourself as someone who was once lost but now is found? Someone who once was blind but now can see? And if you have seen Jesus' grace, can you see yourself in those eyes again? And if you have seen Jesus' grace, how does that grace flow from your lives into the lives of others? Can you see them with Jesus' eyes? For example, for example, no matter what side of the political divide you find yourself on, how do you see the other side? Do you see them? Do you really see them? Do you see them as people who were created in the image of God? Do you see them as people who are loved by God? Do you pray for them? Do you listen to them? Do you value them? Or have you responded in cynicism so many times that all you see is your habit of making assumptions about them? How do you see them? How do you see others in your life? Are there places where your assumptions about them might get in the way of seeing them clearly? And what about us as a church? How do we see? A center point, how well do we see? Last week, Pastor Jim encouraged us to be a church for others. Not a church against others, not a church without others, but a church for others. How are we doing at that? How are we doing that with people who come to visit us? How are we doing that on the courtyard? 
How are we doing that in our neighborhood? Every month, the deacons give out 30 to 40 sets of groceries to families in our church and neighborhood and community. These are besides all of the groceries that are sent out on the uh, food baskets on the holidays. Some of those people who receive groceries and come into the office for groceries, some of those people uh, worship with us. Some don't. Many don't. Why is that? There, there could be many reasons. But could one of the be reasons be that we are unconsciously creating some sort of barriers between us and our neighborhood? Some sort of barrier that says it's okay for us to help you, but please don't come worship with us. Barriers that we can't see, that we can't see. What would it look like if our church became known as the church of the neighborhood? Sometimes when you can't see things, you can't see that you can't see them. Sometimes, when you know you might not be seen well, you can learn to see more clearly. The Son of Man has some words to say to Christians in a church in Revelation. He speaks to the church of Laodicea, and he tells them that they are blind. Why? Because they have grown complacent. They think that they don't need anything. And the Son of Man urges them to come to him and buy salve for their eyes so they might see. And then he says to them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says that to Christians in a church. Could he be saying that to us? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would see you clearly, that your Holy Spirit would strip off any assumptions we have about you, any places where we put rules in front of relationship. We pray that you would help us see you clearly and worship. And Lord, we pray that you would help us see what it is we are not seeing. Where somehow our relationship with you has grown blurry. Where somehow our relationships with others are based on assumptions or traditions rather on, than on seeing them through your eyes. Lord, help us to see you fully your grace, your mercy, your love, and then help us to live that fully. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you please stand for the closing song?